0: Thank you. Thank you, Pedro and team. Hey, uh, you can have a seat. Uh, Let's give it up one more time for our music team, all the hard work and preparation. So thankful uh, for their leadership here this Sunday and so thankful just to see you worshiping our great God. It It is so good to be with you today. Again, my name is Pastor Tanner Turley. I serve as the lead pastor of Redemption Hill Church. And on behalf of all of our pastors, all of our leadership team and staff, once again, welcome to Easter Sunday with Redemption Hill. We're so thankful that you've joined us here today online uh, to worship. And uh, as we begin in our time in God's Word, I just want to take us to the resurrection account in the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to read these verses for, for us. I just want you to listen to them as I read them uh, from Luke chapter 24. It says this, but on the first day of the week, that was Sunday, At early dawn, they, speaking of the women, went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, I love this, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Let me read that last part for you one more time. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Listen. This is why we have gathered here on this Easter Sunday. We have come to consider and celebrate the biggest and most transformational event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His enemies put him to death on Friday, but the grave quickly learned that it could not keep him. And now when Jesus, we can just imagine, when he walked out of that grave, he raised the banner. I don't know if you've heard, but in Boston, we like banners. There, there, there are lots of them at the Garden and several at Fenway. And, and don't forget about the six at Gillette, okay? But like, this is the banner above every banner that Jesus is alive and God made us to live. God made us to live. Jesus' resurrection is a picture, and he even said it, as I live, so you will live if you find your life in me. And so I want want to to encourage you to think about what it means, this, this assertion, God made us to live, God made you to live. And you maybe say with Pastor Tanner, you know, uh, what do you mean when you say God made us to live? What is life? Just think about some of these pictures. Life is a buzzer beater in overtime at the final four. It's, it's that kind of celebration. Maybe you missed it last night because you were getting ready to worship on Sunday morning, but Pastor Tanner did see it before I went to bed. Okay, um, what about this? Life is a really, really good meal with friends and family. I hope you get to experience that at some level uh, today. Life is the laughter of children playing, a hard and satisfying day's work. Life is living out without fear of a broken bone, a virus, or cancer. Life is spring flowers blooming to life and freedom to enjoy God's good world wherever he places us. Herd immunity, we're looking for you. Can I get a yes or an amen here today? But, but, but not only these things, listen, listen, life is understanding. You need to hear this today. Life is understanding that God made us to live so that we would know and be known. So that we would serve and be served. So that we would celebrate and be celebrated. So that we would love and be loved. And this is not just with our human relationships, as important as they are. But most of all, God made us for, for us to know Him and to be known by Him, to serve Him and to be served by Him, to celebrate Him and to be celebrated by Him, to love Him and to be loved by Him. This is why God made us. Jesus said it like this in John 10:10. 10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. God's God's not interested in you having a mediocre life, an okay life. He wants you to experience an abundant life. Even through the difficulties and the trials and the troubles that we face, we can know abundant life because this is what Jesus came to bring. He said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus said it, he meant it, and this is what we are going to see as we turn our attention to Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. Follow along with me. You can read the verses on the screen uh, silently as I read them for us. Mark writes this. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And Jesus went with him. If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The story launches with great emotional intensity. You have Jesus getting off a boat, having crossed the Sea of Galilee again, and he's immediately met by crowds that press in around him. As so often, people wanted to hear his teaching and experience his miraculous power. And among the people, there was a man named Jairus who has this daughter who is not just a little sick, not just a lot sick, but she is sick and at the point of death. So he falls at Jesus' feet. He humbly begs him, please, Jesus, help me. Please, Jesus, go with me. And Jesus, in his compassion, Immediately moves to go with Jairus. Now just put yourself in Jairus's shoes for a moment. Uh, can you imagine dialing 911? The ambulance shows up. You are whisked away with your only child. Luke would tell us in Luke chapter 8 that this was Jairus's only daughter. And, and not only are her vitals not good, but now as you're rushing to the hospital, you hit a traffic jam. Needless to say, not an ideal scenario for Jairus in these moments. As the crowd is pressing in on him and on Jesus, verse 25 tells us about a woman who was in the crowd and she carried great physical and emotional pain. Mark describes her plight with several descriptive phrases that we should pay attention to here this morning. He says that she suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years. She she had a condition that only women would truly understand. She suffered from this bleeding disorder for, yes, 12 years. Now, I don't know about you, but I know about me. Like 12 hours of... I mean, like even like a bad cold, you know what I'm saying? Like Kleenex after Kleenex after like not being able to talk or breathe or whatever. It's like, you know, 12 hours. I'm like, can everyone wait on me? Can everyone like, you know, serve me? Can everyone be quiet so I can just rest? Like, you know, and and then what? Like 12 days. Can you imagine? 12 days. Like probably if, if you believe in prayer, you're probably like calling like all of your friends. Like, hey, pray for me. I've been sick for 12 days. I'm in the hospital. I'm about to go to the hospital. Whatever. It's like, no, no, no. We're talking about 12 years. 12 years she's suffering. And, and it's not that she's like just been suffering for 12 years and kind of sitting around hoping for the best, okay? She's been to urgent care. She went over to Winchester Hospital. She went into the city, MGH, Beth Israel, Brigham and Women's, okay? She's been everywhere. She's even tried the essential oils. And nothing helps. In fact, this is crazy. Mark captures the details and he says that, that she suffered under many physicians. In other words, the, the remedies that the doctors prescribed only complicated her condition. So she's exhausted her medical options. Now she has exhausted her financial resources because she spent all she had to find a cure, but there is no cure. And on top of that, the text says that she was no better but rather grew worse. This poor woman is portrayed as beyond human help. But then in verse 27, we find the shift. It says in verse 27 that she had heard the reports about Jesus. Like Jairus, that he was not only a spellbinding teacher, but he was a miracle worker who could heal people of any kind of disease. So she gets into the crowd at great risk and she works her way up behind Jesus to just simply grab out and touch his garments because she believes that if she just touches his garments, his clothes, that she will be healed. And that is exactly what happened mark says that immediately she was cured and healed of her disease but, but but what happens next absolutely blows my mind it's it's wild okay so this this lady experiences healing and jesus he is moving, can you imagine, with fierce urgency to Jairus' house, right? I mean, this, this father's little girl is dying, and so Jesus is moving at the pace of Jairus. Jairus is moving at the pace of urgency because his daughter's life is on the line. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops. He's, he stops, and, like, we can imagine that Jairus is thinking, hey, Jesus, like, what's going on here? Like, why did you pump the brakes? I mean, like, when I came to you and I fell on my face and I begged you, I, I didn't say, like, hey, we're filling out another health screening for schools. Like, you know, like, just no, no, like no fevers, like, little fevers system, little cold, whatever. It's like maybe, hopefully not COVID. Like, like, we're all sick of health screenings, right? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're thankful for them. We understand the purpose. We're ready to get past them. But, you know, it's like, Jairus is like, no, she is dying, Jesus. Why did you stop? But Jesus knows what happens. Mark says that he knew power had gone out from him. So he turns around and he says, who touched me? And his disciples, it's like, we can laugh at the disciples because, you know, and we, we would be no better than they, you know, like big crowd, Jesus, everyone's pressing in, everyone's touching you, like, What are you talking about? Who touched you? Everyone's touching you, Jesus. But Jesus is just, he's so gracious with them, like he's so gracious with us. And he just keeps looking for the the woman. And Jesus is looking, and the woman is trembling. And she's trembling because she's afraid. And you need to understand there's a twofold reason probably why she's afraid. Number one, she would have been fearful for the response of the people around her. You say, Pastor Tanner, why is that? It's because in Jewish culture, for her to suffer under this condition would have rendered her ceremonially unclean. And so someone who who was experiencing this condition should not have been in the presence of crowds because for someone who is unclean to touch someone who is clean makes the clean person unclean. And so she is about to be exposed in front of everyone. But not only that, I do not only believe there's a, a human uh, fear of, of what is about to happen, but there is also not just an unhealthy fear, but a healthy fear. Because in the Bible, when the Bible talks about fear and fearing God, fearing uh, how great God is, she just experienced greatness. She just experienced power like she never knew. The, the Bible uses the term fear as awe or amazement she is completely overwhelmed by what just happened to her and we see what Jesus says in these moments I love this this just tells us so much about who Jesus is he says daughter your faith has made you well go in peace and be healed of your disease I can just see the smile on his face as he delivers these words. I can see the joy in his soul that this woman who suffered for 12 years is no longer suffering for one more minute. And just consider the the depth of meaning that's loaded into this one simple sentence from Jesus. When he calls her daughter, he is using a term which, oh, by the way, is the only term time that this term is used in the four Gospels. Daughter. It's a term of familial affection and acceptance. He's essentially saying to her, like he may be saying to you today, welcome home. And then he affirms her faith in front of everywhere. I mean, he affirms her while everyone else is ready to denounce her. And not only that, he sends her on her way in peace. Restoring her dignity, restoring her place in society. What an amazing God we have in Jesus Christ. Who could not love this man, this God man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ? But the amazing loving words of verse 34, the the, the elation of verse 34, then moves quickly to the gut-wrenching sorrow of verse 35, because some people from Jairus' house arrive, and they tell their friend, she didn't make it. She didn't make it. And if you've ever lost a loved one or had someone that you dearly love on the verge of death, you know how gut-wrenching that is. You know that those are words you never want to hear. Even though we all know they're coming one day, she didn't make it. But Jesus overhears the conversation. And I love this. I can just picture. He grabs him on the arm. He touches Jairus' arm, and he leans in, and he just says these simple words. Do not fear. Only believe. Do not fear, Jairus. Keep believing. The the belief that you came to me with, you just keep believing that I can work wonders before your eyes. And so Jairus does. He, he takes Jesus onto the house. They come in and they find that everyone is, is weeping and wailing. There's a great commotion. In Jewish culture, families who lose loved ones, they, they would hire professional mourners who would come in. The ancient Jewish writings would say even the poorest among the people of Israel would hire at least two people to come to express the intensity of their sorrow, to to express the intensity of their love for the one they lost. And so it might take us back to, to see the audacity of Jesus that he rolls into the house and he says, look, why is everyone, why are you crying? What's the commotion all about? He says, why are you weeping? The child is simply sleeping. And the next five words in verse 40, the first five words, they they floor me every time. It says, and they laughed at him. Mere people laugh at the very son of God, the one sent to save them. And yet, if we were in the room, we probably would have laughed as well. This was unconscionable to them. They knew the, the little girl was dead. And yet Jesus says, no, 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 she's only asleep. And there's a double meaning here. Jesus is so smooth in how he teaches and operates. Okay. This double meaning, on the one hand, sleep is a euphemism for death. It represents that, that someone actually died. But it also teaches us that according to, to the Jewish worldview and certainly the Christian worldview, that as my grandfather taught me, shortly before his death, that death is just a comma in the long story of eternity. All death is temporary. Yes, for this little girl, as we're about to see, but, but even for us, that, that death is just a, a comma. It's just a, a quick, you know, pause on our way to eternity with God forever or apart with, from God forever. And so Jesus goes into her room And the the miracle is recorded with remarkable simplicity. Verse 42, uh, 41 says, taking her by the hand, he says, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately she gets up and begins walking around. Just a simple touch and just a simple word brings this little girl back to life. This is the power of Jesus Christ. This is the authority that he has. Jesus has authority to heal any sickness and to bring life to any death. And oh, by the way, the last detail tells us that that he says in verse 43, hey, uh, get her something to eat. Like, after you're sick and you're not feeling like, I mean, just the care and the compassion, the, hu- the humanity, the, the human love, the divine love that we see in Jesus being fully God and fully man. Hey, take care of her. She, she could use something to eat. This story amazes us because it teaches us what we need to hear, not just on Easter Sunday, but every day of our lives, and, and that is this. Everyone who believes receives life in Jesus. Everyone who believes receives life in Jesus. I want to pull three key words out of this statement for your consideration today. The first word is life. Everyone who believes receives life through Jesus. The, the story of Easter, which I don't even sometimes like calling it a story because we like hear like, oh, a story in the storybook that may or may not be true, okay. Like the living reality of Easter tells us that God is not okay with our suffering, and God is not okay with death. As someone once said, God hates death with the fury of a thousand sons. Just let that statement soak in to your mind and heart today. God hates death. He absolutely hates it. But on the flip side, God really, really loves life. He made us to live. Just just think about for a moment with me the beginning and the end and the middle of God's story. If we had the time when we read Genesis 1 and 2, the first two chapters of the Bible, we would see that God made Adam and Eve, the first people, to live with him and not live with him for like 60, 70, 80, whatever number of years. Okay? He made them to live with him forever. He made us for life. He made us to live. But the reason that we experience death, physical death, and also spiritual death, spiritual separation from God is because of our sin. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. The consequences of sin is death. Our our rebellion against God, us choosing our own way, us questioning his goodness and working according to our own wisdom, it only leads to death. But in the end, we see that in, in the end, we will live forever either with God or apart from God. So the question everyone should be asking is is like if God made me forever uh, to live forever and he wants me to live forever with him then how can I how can I get that if my sin has separated me from him in this life But the middle of the story is about God's intention to restore life to us Perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible says this in John 3:16, for God so loved the world he loves you that he gave he sent he willingly offered his only son Jesus Christ that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God made us to live. God wants to give us life. We see this in the story. Think about for these two daughters. For the woman, her healing replaced suffering. Honor replaced shame. For Jairus and the little girl, their family, joy replaced sorrow. Life replaced death. And Jesus is offering the very same things to us today. We all long for joy and for peace and for life, and Jesus is saying, listen, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly right now and eternal life forever. So it's joy now, joy forever. Peace now, peace forever. Love now, love forever. And I can just keep going with all kinds of, like, what you, satisfaction now, satisfaction forever. Purpose now, purpose forever. Great relationships now. Am I preaching to somebody yet? Like, Great relationships now, great relationships forever. This is what God wants for you. He made us to live. He made us for life. For, oh, can I just, freedom. Freedom now, freedom forever. I'm gonna keep going. Justice now, justice forever. Way too good. Off the charts, good. Good. God made us to live, and I know deep down you want it, but the question is, how do we receive it? If God God made us for life, if God wants to give us life, then how do we receive it? And this story is such a great story to help us understand how we receive it. We receive it by believing it. Everyone who believes receives life through Jesus. We see faith all over this story. Jairus, in belief, comes running to Jesus. Jesus, you are my only hope. You are my only option. I believe you can heal my daughter. Please help. The woman has such crazy faith that she goes up behind him and just says, Look, I don't need you to touch me. I don't need you to speak amazing words over me. Like If I just touch your clothes, I will be healed. And then even when these people arrive from Jairus' home and and they say your daughter didn't make it, what does Jesus say? He says what? Do not fear, only believe. But it's important and necessary for all of us to understand that it is not enough, not enough, for us to believe facts about God, facts about Jesus, even facts about ourselves. And here's what I mean. You you can believe that Jesus was a real person. You can believe that Jesus lived a great life, even a perfect life. You can believe, which historically is basically irrefutable, that Jesus died on a Roman cross outside of Jerusalem. You can believe that Jesus, when he died on a Roman cross, died for our sin to bring us back to God. You can believe the overwhelming evidence that tells us that Jesus, in fact, rose from the dead. And sadly and tragically, it can do nothing To change your soul, it cannot bring you life. Because belief and faith is not just saying certain things are true. True belief and true faith is saying, this is true, and I absolutely have to have it, and I absolutely stake my life upon it. Faith has two components, two essential components. One, there is humility. We see this in a story, Jairus falling at Jesus' feet, the woman falling at his feet. Humility admits, like, not only sees that we have a need, because I think most people deep down, like, in the quiet places, in the dark, when you're just looking at them in the mirror, you know that I have a lot of needs in my life, and I certainly need God. But in our pride, we're not willing to admit it. I got this, I'm all set, I can do my own thing, I can make it on my own, even to eternity in heaven. But that's not how it works. If that's how it works, then as Pastor John told us on Good Friday, then Jesus died for no reason. So it's not not only admitting that we have a need for Jesus, but then it's trusting in what he did and it's staking our life upon his work in his life, death, and resurrection. Faith takes action. Faith falls at his feet. Faith reaches out for Jesus' touch. It says, I'm depending on you. I'm counting on you. I'm placing my hope in you. And what's so amazing about the power of faith is that it moves the heart of God and it stops God in his tracks. Just This is what we see. Jesus with Jairus. uh, Jairus falls at his feet and and Jesus sees his faith and Jesus moves. But then ironically, the, the woman touches him and Jesus stops. That's the power of faith. Listen, what I'm saying is this. Your faith, if you are reaching out to God as God is reaching out to you today, you have his full attention. He is ready to give you life and life abundantly, whether for the first time today or in a deeper way. We all need to go deeper with God, deeper in our faith. Everyone who believes receives life through Jesus. And don't doubt for a second that this includes you. The third word I want you to consider is that first word, everyone, everyone, everyone who believes receives life through Jesus. I mean, just think about this story, the contrast that we have between Jairus and the woman, and and not to mention his little daughter, Jairus' daughter. Jairus is a man, she is a woman. Jairus is a leader in his community with relational capital off the charts. She is a outcast living on the lower rungs of society. Jairus probably was quite wealthy. Clearly, this woman has nothing. And yet Jesus reaches out and he heals them both. He He offers life to both of them. Not to mention his daughter who would have not been held in high esteem by society and she is beyond hope in her condition. And, and what does this show us, okay? Listen, no one, since I moved to Boston a decade ago, okay, sadly, no one has accused me of being the smartest person in Boston. I know it's shocking. Yeah. But, but listen, I'm smart enough to know this. If, if, if Jesus will... Reach out and heal the the young and the old. The, 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 the upper class and the, the lower class. The accepted and the rejected. Then I'm smart enough to know that, that, that if you're if you're in the in-between, you're covered. Like, this is for everyone. This is for you. God loves you. Jesus died for you. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what Paul says in Romans 5, 8. This story shows us that the love of Christ knows no limits. Jesus willingly stepped over Jewish legal codes and social norms in order to touch and heal these two women, and there is nothing that he won't do for us, including dying in our place and rising from the dead. And so I just want to ask you today, on this Easter Sunday, are you experiencing the life that Jesus lived, died, and rose again to bring you? Are you experiencing the fullness of life, the abundant life that Jesus wants for you? Do you know that you will spend eternity with him and experience eternal life? John chapter 1 puts it like this, speaking of Jesus. It says, the true light, Jesus, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So I simply want to ask you today, again, whether you're here in the room, whether you're participating online, have you believed? Have you received What's your next step with Jesus Christ? Perhaps there are some of you, I'm confident that there are, who who are hearing this message about life, and now all of the dots are connecting about Jesus' life and Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection, and what on earth it has to do with me. And you're saying, I want to commit to follow Jesus. You may be a, a little older, you may be 12 years old. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your past. Jesus is reaching out to you today. And so if you hear the voice of God, even right now, as I'm sharing these words with you, sharing this message with you, this saying, Talitha Kumi, arise. I want to encourage you to reach out and take Jesus by the hand through believing in him. Because I'm I'm also smart enough to know, and I've been doing this long enough, that that when God is speaking loud and clear to a person's soul, you may just like feel that tug at your heart, like that this is for you. I know that there are competing voices that arise, maybe from your own thoughts or even from the thoughts of of God's enemy, Satan and his demons who want to lie to us and say, listen, no, that's not for you, it's for them. No, like like God's looking for like really good people, not people that have done all the things that you have done. Or like, it's too, it's too late for you. Like, you've lived so long. It's like, if you were going to get right with God and, and get everything worked out, it's like you should have done that long ago. Or, or here's, a, here's a common one. Uh, you know, you've got, all, you've got all kinds of time for that. I mean, this is important. Pastor Tanner, what he said, it, it rings a bell. But, you know, you can do, take care of that in a year from now, five years from now, 20 years from now. And Jesus is saying, today's the day. I love you today. I love you right now. I want you to know my joy and my love and my peace right now. And so if that's you, I just want to encourage and ask everyone, even for those of you participating online, just to bow your head for a moment and close your eyes. And I want to lead us all in a time of prayer. But but specifically for those of you that are ready, ready to commit to follow Jesus, to receive the forgiveness that he extends to us through his death on the cross. I want to ask you and plead with you to place your faith in him today. What did we say faith is? Admitting your need and trusting that Jesus can meet that need. And so listen, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if that's you today, you can pray these words verbatim after me or you can just put them in your own words. Just simply this, God, I I need you in my life. I see that I haven't lived for you, and my sin has separated us, but I want you to heal me. I want you to give me life, and so, Jesus, I receive the gift of your life and your death and your resurrection, and I commit my life to follow all the days of my life. Listen, if if you made that decision today, I just want to, while everyone's Head is bowed and eyes are closed. I just want you to raise your hand really high so we can celebrate with you today. I want to just, anyone else, that's awesome. We want to celebrate you. I want to pray over you in just a second. Listen, anyone else, even online, because I have a next step for you today. So good, so good, so good. Thank you, God. We just want to pray over you. We just want to celebrate. God, thank you for each person that is stepping into the life of Christ. God, thank you for changing them and making them new. Thank you for giving them the power to to do everything that you're gonna call them to do in their life through the grace of Jesus. So God, would you uh, take us all deeper? Take us all deeper, Lord. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, we're about to sing a song, but I I wanna encourage you, whether, again, you're here and you raised your hand, I saw many of you raise your hands, or if you're online and you raised your hand, or you're saying, that's me, I prayed that prayer, let us know by going to our app on your cell phone or by going to rhc.church forward slash cc and just click that box, I commit to follow Jesus today because what we wanna do is we wanna follow up with you and we wanna help you on your new spiritual journey as you follow Jesus. But for all of us, listen, no matter where we are on our spiritual journey, we can sing these words that that Jesus rose from the dead and he is doing the work of resurrecting us, bringing us back to life, that we might experience all that he has for us. So let's stand and let's sing with everything we've got today.